gotta admit, when I made my first pass through this episode, I was having a little trouble. Because, I mean, the Decepticons weren't tapping into the Earth's core or invading power plants. They were actually doing something big that made sense in a weird, cartoony kind of way. And the Autobots kind of responded in logical ways. I mean, 11 episodes in, and this is the first time things kind of make sense, you know, in an internal logic kind of way. So it might be hard for me to find things to make fun of. Wait, no, it won't. We begin in India, where the pale-skinned, red-haired king of India is futzing with the solar plant that he's built out of his palace as a gift to his people, says the narrator. Uh-huh. Well, it's an established fact by this point that humans can't generate the tiniest spark of electricity without the Decepticons sniffing around like dogs in the trash, so you know what happens next. The Autobots charge in with their new hydrofoils, which should be ridiculous, but they're actually kind of cool, I have to admit, and the usual battle takes place. Except Megatron seems to have learned a thing or two in the past ten weeks, and this time it's just a diversion. The Decepticons have joined forces with Dr. Arkaville, who you might not realize from his appearance is a crazy mad scientist. He's created something called a hypnochip, which, you might not realize from the name, is a microchip that hypnotizes. While the diversion is going on in India, Soundwave launches Operation Annoy the Remaining Autobots with My Little Tape Guys, and manages to kidnap Sparkplug and all the commotion. The diversion successful, Megatron calls the troops back home and secures Sparkplug as the first hypnochip guinea pig. They demonstrate on a lifelike model of Optimus Prime, clearly he sprung for that awesome masterpiece edition they put out a few years ago, which Sparkplug promptly trashes. Either this model was made of styrofoam and balsa wood, or the hypnochip secretes PCP to enable super strength. Frankly, I'm happy with either explanation. Meanwhile, the Autobots put together a half-decent plan to get Sparkplug back. Prime leads the troops on a direct assault, while a few of the mini-guys tunnel under the ocean and slip in the back entrance. Yeah, remember what I said about internal logic before. Just accept that they can tunnel under the ocean, alright? This fight scene raises an interesting point that the producers of Transformers never really exploited. If you set everything underwater, you won't have any more of those irritating color problems that cause kids to confuse Skywarp with Thundercracker or Ironhide with Ratchet. Colors don't even matter down here, man. Everyone's a nice, cool shade of blue. In perhaps the first effective Autobot mission of the series, they rescue Sparkplug and head back home. Hypnochip firmly in place with absolutely no obvious clues to that effect. No talk. There is work to be done. Sparkplug sabotages several of the Autobots and Teletran 1, allowing the Decepticons to attack. But quick-thinking Spike tosses a wrench into the computer, which somehow repairs the damage, activates the defense mechanisms, and covers the Decepticons in short-circuiting goo. So they head back out, taking Sparkplug with them. Spike, understandably, is sad. The Decepticons reveal the master plan they've been toiling away at all this time, a giant version of the space bridge, controlled by an egg timer, intended to pull the entire planet of Cybertron into Earth's orbit. The resulting environmental chaos will create vast amounts of energy in the form of tidal waves and such, and Megatron's newly hypnotized army of hypno-slaves will be there to collect that energy. Again, completely silly by real-world standards, but in the context of this show, that's actually a pretty solid plan. Another part of what makes it so great is that an army of human slaves equals an abundance of human shields. Megatron's apparently been watching old Superman cartoons, and he finally gets how to keep Optimus out of his hair long enough to do some real damage. During the battle, Spike rushes to Sparkplug, who's suddenly all, Aw, Ike's sorry, baby. But then Dr. Arkaville turns up the hypno-juice, and once again, child abuse is the status quo. Tell me this show didn't deal with mature issues. Replace Hypnochip with Fifth of Bourbon, and this turns into an after-school special. Sparkplug and Rumble activate two of the three pylons that activate the new space bridge. Megatron, using logic that I couldn't quite follow, 
manages to talk to Optimus into activating the third himself. Something about saving lives on Cybertron. Except now you're taking lives on Earth, you bonehead. So Cybertron is pulled into Earth's orbit, and we get what's probably the first half-decent cliffhanger since the show started. And now it's time for this week's science lesson. Let's see. Using a matter transporter to move an entire planet? Digging your way to the ocean? Subdermal chips capable of controlling a human brain? In 1984, the year the IBM PC Jr. rolled out. Nope, no problems here. Into the ocean, best be daring. The last one in is a rusty herring.